welcome to One Dive at a Time, the official podcast of Neptune Warrior, healing heroes one dive at a time. Hey, this is Rob. I am the founder and the director of Neptune Warrior, where our mission is healing heroes one dive at a time. In this episode, I had a chance to catch up with Mary Howell. Mary is one of our most precious divers. I love having her associated with this organization. She just, she loves on our veterans at, in, in, in some of the most unique ways. She is involved in, when we were running our red tide dives, so red is remember everyone deployed. On Friday nights, we would get together for game night, casino night. Every now and then we would do an ultimate diving challenge. Sometimes it was just social socializing underwater, if you can believe that, and socializing afterwards, obviously. But Red Tide is a pretty, at least at that point in time, was a pretty major initiative. Now, when COVID hit, we had to take a totally different approach because we couldn't use the indoor uh, facilities. Normally we do Red Tide in the wintertime, uh, you know, wintertime frames. But it was, it, it, Mary came forward and she did some very special things. Now, by the way, going back on the red tide dives, the price of entry was to bring enough goodies to fill up a shipping box. And we had these boxes, I think they were like uh, probably 12 by 12 by six. And it cost us $22 and change to ship those uh, to an APO. At the time we were doing it, uh, we would either have names that had been provided to us of someone to receive them directly, or we had the names of like a platoon leader or a flight leader or a squad leader, a first sergeant, somebody that would receive that package. They look around to see who wasn't getting mail and make sure that they, that they were getting, you know, that they were getting a, a piece of mail from someone. And inside those boxes, it was, there was usually goodies in there. There was candy bars, cliff bars. Uh, stuff that guys could take out if they were guys and gals, if they were out on a patrol or take out with them on post. We'd also put toys and games. We'd always put a dive training magazine in there. But something that I had remembered from when I was deployed was that my mom used to pack uh, Hot Wheels and things like that. Now for me, uh, if, if we were just being the guys we were. Sometimes we play with the Hot Wheels, but a lot of times we were giving them out to kids as you know, as we were doing patrols. And it was just a great way to, to build that camaraderie. Well, Mary went out and not only did she buy a bunch of Hot Wheels for us, but she heat sealed them in sealing wheel packs. That way, you know, they wouldn't get damaged and you know, they were easy to slide into a pack and everything else. And then she also included a lot of individual notes and so that was just really nice. And she's just she's just been one of the, the divers that has been fun to be around. Uh, you know, she's got a great personality, but she's also done a lot of extensive travel. And she's not afraid to travel on her own or travel with another female. And they're not going to resorts. They're not taking cruises. They're actually getting out there, doing the research on their own and finding the trips that they want to take that gets them outside of that 
you know, you know, being a resort. And she's had a lot, a lot of positive experiences. Now I got to tell you, with this interview, we had to do it in a Burger King. One of the reasons why I built the fire pit out back was so that we could get out of doing that. But guys, it is just way too cold today. So when we finished the dive, we did a Sunday uh, training dive at the at the YMCA. Worked on buoyancy skills. We had you know uh, you know we had some mindfulness activities going on, some relaxation activities. So after that dive, I asked Mary if she would go to Burger King with me since it was too cold to be out the fire pit and do an interview. Now I got to tell you, most of the time on a Sunday afternoon after the lunch hour, nobody's ever in this Burger King. Today, there are people in the Burger King. So she's got a lot of great things to say. Please just overlook the bad audio in the background and out of control kids and things like that in the background. The, the, the audio is not great on this, but she's got some fantastic things to say. And so just, you know, for the 25 minutes of the interview or so, just be really patient. Listen to what she has to say. Adjust your volume as you need to. She's got some fantastic things to say about being a woman, being confident, and traveling to places that most people don't always get a chance to see. So I'm going to go ahead and start that interview right now. Hey, we're sitting in a Burger King, which is one of the places we were trying to get away from when we built out the <laughs> fire pit, but it's just too cold to be outside. Amen. We had a we had a really good dive. We're back in the water at the West Valley Y after finally getting a protocol after a couple of years. And I'm sitting here with Mary, Hello. who is a big part of our program. We're going to talk about women and travel, but before we do, couple of uh, a couple of things one Mary thank you for all the help that you're giving us with our red tide uh, support so for those of you who don't know red tide is our dive that we do where it's remember everyone deployed <clears throat> by the way a lot of background noise kids hanging out in Burger King today but red tide the price of entry is to provide something that we can ship overseas to troops who are deployed and Mary has supported us with numerous things. One of the big ones is that she takes Hot Wheels and individually wraps them. Heat shrinks them, right? Is that heat shrink or? Yeah, just a seal-a-meal kit. The seal-a-meal. And then that way they get delivered over to the guys and they either play with them or uh, hand them out. I know that when uh, when I was in theater, I would actually hand out Hot Wheels and that's kind of where, when we were talking, uh, she she went like way, way beyond. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was really cool stuff. So Mary, thank you for doing that. What, <clears throat> so real quick, what, what kind of led you into doing, supporting the Red Tide? Well, um, I'm always happy to support anything that helps vets. Being from a family that is full of vets and my father uh, also being affected with PTSD, um, you know, so on a personal level, I've experienced it. Um, and I'm always happy to do and get involved if I have the time to help with that. And this is a, a great way to do it. Yeah, it, very much appreciated. We get, uh, it's, you know, we, it's great when we get the feedback from our guys, guys and gals that are out there. Now today we had a pool session. What were you working on in today's indoor diving? Uh, today I was working on my buoyancy and um, a little bit of my free diving to try and 
get my lungs back in shape <laughs> for snorkeling and other things because I enjoy doing a lot of tropical weather diving when I can. Right. How did you like the monkey exercise? That was fun. The monkeys that tried to float away on me, I didn't realize they could take off so fast. Oh, yeah. Cute little sea monkeys. <laughs> They'll take off pretty quick. So Mary mentioned tropical diving. That's why I wanted to pull her into this. She is, I would say, is actually the outlier. I wish it wasn't like this, but she's one of the outliers that she is not afraid to travel on her own or travel with a friend of hers, both females. And it's a lot of times when you see females diving, at least in my experience and I think in your experience, when you see females diving, there's a little bit of a fear of getting away from the resorts or the all-inclusives or you know, doing it on a cruise. Tell me a little bit about your dive trips and why they're different. Uh, well, my girlfriend and I are both um, very independent people and neither one of our husbands like to dive. So uh, we just decided uh, later in life when we could afford to, to get into scuba diving. We both fell in love with it. And, and since our husbands don't dive, we decided to start doing this annually. Just us, it's our girl time together since we live both on different sides of the country. And we both like to get out and really experience new things. And the problem there is with diving and staying at resorts and all that inclusive, it's very westernized, so you're not really experiencing the local culture. But uh, most women travel with their husbands or groups or whatever because they're a little, have some anxiety about getting out there. But really, it's you just got to break out of that. And we've traveled so many different places and we will generally not stay at a resort, get our own place, rent a car and just get out and explore and meet the locals. You'll find the best food at the, the local, where the locals eat. Right. And you meet them and whether you speak their language or not, or they speak English, found that they always appreciate when you try. You may get a giggle or two, but they'll, they'll try to communicate with you and we can all use translators on our phones. It's, it's right. just really fun to engage with the locals and really experience that. And you learn so much. They'll tell you places that other people don't know to go and experience. And sometimes they'll invite you to their home, which, you know, you got to be cautious be about cautious that, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you just, you experience so much more. It's a much more enriching experience to do it that way and not do, I mean, you can experience the same thing in a resort you can here other than the tropical diving. Right. Um, kind of beside the point. So what are some of the places where you've gone tropical back? Uh, mostly in the Caribbean. Uh, several places in the Caribbean. We started in Grand Cayman, which was amazing. Um, the people there were amazing. Uh, and to Belize, Dominican Republic. Um, I have to say my favorite, though, outside of the Caribbean was Fiji. The people are incredibly warm. Um, we did a lot of getting out and meeting people because you just, it just felt so welcoming everywhere you went. Everybody's smile and the big bula and that's their, their hello. Um, just incredibly warm people and they live such a simple life and I really envy that because they don't know the difference and they're just so happy. You right. drive by, they're sitting in the river, the women and the children are swimming, the women are doing their laundry and they're all waving and 
saying Bula, you know, as you're driving by in this old bus. <laughs> <laughs> and you just want to get down there with them and swim and play with them because they're so friendly. Now, you can probably relate a little bit to that simplified life because you've done a lot of that in your own life here and it made it a little more simplified so you can open up time for scuba diving. Mm-hmm. And talk about that a little bit. And because you shared with me earlier, it's like, hey, I'm getting really, really busy. I need to start scaling back a little bit now. Yeah. How, how, how has busyness been impactful on your diving? And what are some things that you do in order to simplify your life a little more for, when, for diving? Just got to really stop taking on so many things. I know personally I take on... Um, a lot of things I, I want to help people a lot and sometimes I just don't need to get involved they need to do it on their own right and I need to find time for myself things that I really are of interest to me and pursue those more it's just for me I can sit down and make a list for some people they can just walk away from certain things and some things you just need to cross off your list right like is that really important do I really need to be doing this would I prefer to be spending more time doing that Everybody does it differently, and that's something that everybody, I think, works on at a certain point in their life. Right. Especially as we <laughs> get older. Right. So with that same approach, that simplified or maybe even a minimalism approach, what does packing for a trip for Mary look like? I mean, if, if, packing. if you're going to take, take a Caribbean trip, what does your packing list look like? And, and, and what have you learned as you've traveled that you need or don't need as you travel? So much. The first time I traveled internationally with my girlfriend, we both had the two biggest sized luggage bags we could take. We weren't even diving then. And they were packed full. We had a maximum of 50 pounds. I had everything from duct tape to paracord that you would not believe the crap I packed because I didn't know what to expect. What were you taking paracord for? Well, we actually did end up using that clothesline after we washed our clothes. Oh, okay. Though, yeah, okay. we were staying in hostels. And, yeah. you know, it's very minimalist if you've ever stayed in one. Um, <laughs> so it's literally gone from one extreme over the years. And that was about 10 years ago, I think, that first trip. Um, and we've learned to pack less and less. Because a lot of things, the simpler things, you know, if you forget something, you can generally buy it. Right. Because it's not like, you know... If you're going on a dive trip, you're you're generally going to be somewhere. There's going to be stores or shops or something where your basic needs can be found. Right. Or you'll find somebody who will give you some stuff or whatever you or, need. Or maybe you do without. Or maybe, yes. There are many things you can actually do without. Right. Because especially if you're going somewhere tropical, you don't need coats or hats. You know, basically we pared it down to a couple swimsuits, a pair of flip-flops, maybe a pair of... Um, Hiking shoes if we plan on doing any hiking. A couple pairs of shorts, a couple t-shirts, a few toiletries, and um, our dive gear. And it's it's just a night and day difference of the stuff that we used to take. We laugh about how much stuff we packed. I heard somebody mentioning uh, in a conversation we were having Friday night that you know, if you get down there and, and you need a pair of shorts or you need a sundress or something, mm-hmm. yeah. usually you can get it for like 10 or 15 bucks at, at, at the most. Yeah, at a souvenir shop, this is little, I probably got a dozen of them because I seem to pick up one or two every time I go somewhere. They're literally like 10 or 15 bucks at the nearest souvenir shop. It's just right. a dress you throw on over your swimsuit, 
You can ball it up and throw it in your suitcase. Yeah. Or just leave it there. Or if you don't want to do laundry, go to Walmart and get a cheap pack of underwear and throw them away when you're done with them. You know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when I was, <clears throat> so like when I first came back from, from, the, uh, from the Gulf, I would, um, I would actually go in, get on my dirt bike. I had a, I had a motorcycle that was, you know, in enduro for, it was, it was a street legal dirt bike basically. And I would take uh, a debit card, because I don't believe in credit cards, but I would take a debit card and I would take my, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, and put those in my backpack and, and, and like a change of underwear. And if I needed something when I got to where I was going, same thing. Yeah. I would just buy a cheap t-shirt. Um, maybe I might pack another pair of jeans. You know, if the weather was bad, I might pack, you know, another pair of jeans or something like that. And there's just, there's a freedom to be able to, even now, to be able to get on a plane and you've got your carry-on. You don't have to wait the not as hours for your luggage to come through or whatever. So yeah. now when you pack, how do, how do you pack your dive gear? Uh, my dive gear goes in the big bag because I have all my dive gear. The BC takes up the most space. Well, bins are pretty long, so they do too. So I have one maximum size bag that just my dive gear goes in. And then I have a carry-on for all the little stuff. And I usually have plenty of room to bring back souvenirs if I want, which I usually do. Yeah. Now, now do, you, do you pack an empty bag with you to bring back cool stuff? or? No. Um... You might in the beginning because uh, if you haven't traveled much, you're probably going to end up buying a lot of souvenirs. Yeah. I did that too in the beginning, and then I pared it down. And, okay, people are getting sick of me bringing stuff back. They just want to go with me now. <laughs> exactly. I, I know I used to make a rule that, um, so I used to, a lot of times you'll see me wearing bracelets and things. So I used to bring back little bracelets mm-hmm. for people that wanted gifts or whatever, and then postcards. And, yes, and then postcards and then sometimes patches or stickers because then it was more about remembering the experience and remembering than bringing back something that is going to sit in my living room for the max two years and I get tired of looking at it or something. One of my favorite things to do since you brought up postcards is to get a postcard for myself and mail it from there and I have a collection of everywhere I've been on my fridge of oh, postcards wow. that I've mailed to myself. Just so I, every time I get in the fridge, you know, I might be having a dumpy day and I look and I'm like, oh, that was great memories. And it gives me that pick me up. You know, you're in your fridge all that the time. That is a great idea. Cause I, cause I always take mine and put them in a journal, right? Mm-hmm. I like that idea. I may have to, I may have to steal that one. Cause I send postcards to other people. Mm-hmm. I guess I should send one to myself. I usually get a postcard to send to myself and um, some little cheesy fridgy magnet too. Just cause yeah. it's fun. The hey. fridge is a great place for that. Because you're in and out of it all the all time. The di- all the time. Yeah. And a lot of times we, we tend to go to the fridge when we're kind of having a bad day anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to throw too much of this because I think this is probably an area that's been overly covered. And maybe you can even do some of the myth busting on this. But uh, safety. What, you know, when women travel, everybody focuses on, you know, make sure you're safe and not going to dark alleys and don't talk to strangers and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. What has been your experience, though, and what... You know, what's in your mind when you're traveling? Uh, Well, initially, like, we didn't know what to expect. But over our travels, um, as we get out and and meet locals and stuff and and go off the beaten path, you know, obviously use common sense. You know, don't wander into a dark alley in a strange place. But if you're in a, a busy public 
place and it's all locals and don't be afraid if you don't speak the language like there's always a way to communicate right there's there's it's just i've never felt uncomfortable you know and i'm five foot three 130 pounds my girlfriend's a little bit taller than me but you know we're we're not the kind of women that look tough but it's also the way you carry yourself right don't carry yourself um like like a rabbit right (laughs) carry yourself with confidence and 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 throw off confidence whether you truly believe it yet or not after a while you will come into that you kind of come into that yeah you do and that will change your life not just traveling but in all aspects you know when you come home every time i come home from a trip it changes me a little i learn more right you know just getting out so so what are some things that have changed with you on on your trips change with me as far as well you said that every time you come home oh yeah, yeah my perspective on the world i mean the world gets a little bit smaller a little less scarier you know you you get out there a lot of people that have never traveled they're just they're afraid of the unknown and that's natural that's human nature but uh, you can't be afraid of everything because then you're you're not really living you need to get out there and experience it and you know just in talking to local people even you get a sense of what their life is like and then you learn to appreciate your life even more especially when you're traveling in third world countries and stuff in a lot of ways they don't know the difference but you know some of them have traveled as well right you know and they share their experiences and it's just a, a great way to, to learn and absorb things and it, it just changes you it can't not change right. you because your perspective changes their perspective changes from talking to you because you know sometimes they their expectations of what americans are like and when you sit down and have a beer with them and then they go home feeling changed and they talk to other people who maybe had some feelings against Americans or thought strange things that just weren't true about right. Americans or whatever and vice versa, you know, just get in there and get to know them. It, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, I mean, that's a great outlook or a great perspective because that's something I've noticed, you know, being from Texas, everyone thinks that you ride a horse, you know, to the market <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Or in Idaho, you know, they think it's, you know, just potatoes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and even being Americans, they, they think from what they, I guess, you know, what they see projected in their media, mm-hmm. you know, oh, or yeah. what they've been told. And I, I think one of the things, I think one of the areas where I've been really fortunate is in my service training, I got trained to be able to integrate with other cultures and and be open to those experiences and that's carried over into travel what has been one of the most uh, memorable experiences that you've had like having a beer with somebody or uh you know just just conversating where, where either your perspective has been changed or their perspective has been changed and, and speak up speak up a little bit because of yeah the, the kids in the background <laughs> um geez there's just so many so many wonderful people we've met and interacted with. I think honestly, it wasn't even a dive experience. It was uh, a trip to Italy we did, and we were staying in a. It was like an Airbnb, which was a converted side of um, this woman's house, and she didn't speak any English. We didn't speak, you know, any Italian, but we were still able to communicate with each other and 
I was, it was an earlier trip, so I was a little anxious because I was at the house by myself. The girls were uh, out in Rome for the day. It was a short train trip to where we were staying. And um, I was really hungry and I didn't have any food and I didn't have a car and I didn't know where the grocery store was or anything. And she just instantly became like a mother to me. Oh, wow. And I just didn't follow it. She took me into town in her little car with her cute little dog that Camilla, Milla, whatever that flower is. She named it after the flowers. They were all over in her garden. It was beautiful. And we ended up um, kind of being pen pals and stuff, even though we had to translate each other's stuff when we got it in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> and she just didn't do Facebook or anything like that. Yeah. She's a bit older, but um, it's like I felt like I have extended family in another country now through this awkward moment where I was hungry and I went and knocked on her door and <laughs> somehow communicated to her that I needed to go to a grocery store to get some food so I could cook myself something. And then she had us over later for roasted chestnuts and wine and, you know, That's it was just awesome. a wonderful experience. I think I think the people in Italy, well, and, and, and well, you mentioned Fiji as well, mm-hmm. but I've always found that people in Italy be very, very friendly, very, you know, you know, if, if you were to ask them, you know, you know, like here, ask them for, you know, for a ride or something or how to get how to get to a store. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you're meeting all their entire family and you're inside their house and everything. It's just yeah. it's a great experience. Um, underwater experiences. What what has diving done for you on, you know, either a mental or emotional or even a physical level? What has diving brought brought for you? Oh, man, diving which I never expected. I did, we just decided, okay, we're going to Grand Cayman. So, you know, how about, how about we get certified to dive and give it a try? My girlfriend had, had tried it once as a teenager on a vacation with her family in Bahamas. I'd never tried it, but I'm always interested in learning new things. So we both, she's in Tennessee and I'm in Idaho. We, we planned this a year in advance. We both got certified and we went and we fell in love with it instantly and for me it was like when I go under the water and I understand on a certain level how this can help the vets so much because I go underwater the whole world goes away you know your senses are dumbed down to pretty much your sight you can hear some things but it's it's like you're hyper focused on your breathing what you're seeing it's so calming and then the, and on top of that, the amazing creatures you can see that, that people just don't even... You can watch all the documentaries you want. You will see things you will never see on TV. There's, right. It's like a little alien underwater world. And there's so many things that I personally was fearful of. I never got more than ankle deep in ocean water until my first open water dive in the ocean. Oh, wow. Because I watched Jaws when I was about five years old. <laughs> yep. And I still do not go swimming in the ocean because when my head's out of the water and I can't see what's under me, it bothers me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if a stingray's gonna zap me in the foot or whatever, but when you're diving, I have been up close and personal and actually hugged sharks. Like, that doesn't even bother me now. I've danced with moray eels, essentially, because they're so curious, they'll just swirl up around you and, yeah. and kind of bump up against your gear and see what is that you know and they they look scary but they're really not you just got to respect their space don't try to dig into their den yeah right. they might get a little don't put your finger out there in front of them right you know? you know they might mistake it for food but they're not 
looking to attack you and neither are sharks or anything so it's so many people will be like aren't you afraid of the sharks you just don't understand until you experience it you're not afraid when you're down there even if sharks are around you there's just no reason to be afraid right and it's just so calming and it's such an amazing new world it's like a, it's like an escape it's, i love it it's addictive right where's your uh, where's your next trip that you're looking at not sure yet because things are still a little weird with the covid thing but i'm hoping you know things are seem to be quickly getting back to normal that things will open up again we've had on our big bucket list um either galapagos i'd love to see the hammerhead migration or um south africa with great white those those are two big ones we've been talking about for a really long time they're both going to be expensive yeah and we were saved up and ready to do that but then covid hit right so uh, maybe uh, probably not this year but um matt hayes matt hayes was on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago yeah and uh you know he you know he's talked about his diving experiences and that's one of the things that he's looked at doing is the great whites mm-hmm. so that, that sounds like it'd be pretty cool amazing yeah yeah i my first encounter with sharks was white tip reef sharks and of course they're docile during the day they sleep they're day sleepers they're nocturnal and I just remember that being an incredible experience. And then after that, because I was the same way, I grew up around Jaws. And I purposely went to the Denver Aquarium to do the shark dive. And that was, I, I learned a lot about sharks and learned a lot more respect. And then that made me want to go see sharks the next time. Yeah. yeah and, and actually became kind of an advocate because I mean, I was kind of that guy of, you know, kill them all let God sort them out when it comes yeah. to the sharks right again Grand around jaws and I think for me that was a good metaphor on so many other things in life about prejudging mm-hmm. or having this information shoved at you for so long about the way something's supposed to be and you misunderstand it yep so it was always a good metaphor for me so there's so much things in life that like you have this in your head when you're a kid and it may not be until in your 40s 50s 60s and all of a sudden on oh, my whole life i thought one way and then you realize it just that just wasn't the case but right. you never bothered to look for the truth because you just assumed it so exactly. much in life is assumed and we really shouldn't exactly uh any other any, any other tips or thoughts about traveling and that you want to share um well i could go on for hours um you always want to do do your research ahead of time try not to wait to the last minute uh, do a little bit of research on where you're going there are some places like i did experience in in thailand there's some cultural things you need to know like uh, you know and it may seem odd to you but it it means something to them like never touch a child on the head right um you it, it just it's pretty easy to Google anything now, so uh, it's a good it's a good thing to do. Um, you know, like day drinking in Mexico is kind of frowned upon. I found that out walking down the street with a beer at ten o'clock in the morning. Um, somebody had to go and say something, and then I felt bad. I didn't do my research. So, so the five o'clock somewhere rule does not apply in, in you Mexico. Know, you, yeah, you just be respectful. You know, some places um, walking around in a bathing suit is not cool. You want to, you know, they 
women tend to wear long pants even if it's a, a hot environment um, right. that's true in places like thailand you know just try to be respectful and, and pack and plan for stuff like that and of course you know if you have electronics or whatever you want to make sure that where you're going you're gonna be able to charge your stuff most right. places you will get u.s outlets but there's little kits you can buy and pack with you if they don't it's little conversion plugs or whatever um little stuff like that running cars uh what cards to bring how much cash to bring uh exchanging money you can do all that research on google it's pretty easy to find those things just little stuff you you don't think about at home that you'll need access to and make your life a little easier so you're not worried about it and you're just there and enjoying your time excellent well cool hey thanks for taking the, the time to do this Absolutely. glad you had a good dive today it the the monkey trail was pretty <laughs> that, that's that is one of my favorite exercises you know I, I wrote that exercise in 2016 mainly for our divers with PTSD to get them hyper focused on on one thing and what I'm finding is it's a great well one it's a great mindfulness <laughs> exercise uh, it just kind of lets you relax not think about anything else that that whole be here now concept but it's also great for buoyancy control. I know that you're around a lot of reefs. Yes. And it teaches you, you know, to be neutrally buoyant. And then you, as you, as the, the trail of monkeys rises up in, you know, since we're diving 12, 13 feet of water, there's a lot of difference in that buoyancy compensator, what it does between yes. 12 feet to 10 feet to eight feet. Yeah. So, but. I struggled with that a little bit for a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, hey, thanks for, thanks for being on the podcast. and. Sorry for the conditions. Normally, there's nobody in here. Well, there's nobody now. Yeah, there's now nobody we're now. Done. Yeah, we could rewind <laughs> this and just start all over again. But uh, yeah, no. Normally, there's nobody in here. But anyway, hey, thanks again. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you later. Hmm. Hey, thanks so much for enduring the audio with this podcast or with this interview that that we did for the podcast again a lot of valuable information and i love hearing about the trips that she does and i highly appreciate the things that she's doing for our divers she's actually got a project going on right now that's going to benefit our divers who have tbi traumatic brain injury we used to have a a setup of the memory game which really does help during post-concussion therapy. You know, when we're at depth and we're running uh, higher concentrations of oxygen, you know, for those of you who know what nitrox is, so we're, when we're running nitrox 36 or nitrox 40, we're actually doing hyperbaric therapy. And we run those protocols with the Idaho, uh, with Idaho Hyperbarics who, who verifies those protocols for us. But as we're, you know, as we're running those protocols and our TBI divers are using the memory game, we actually find that uh, their re their recovery rate is is faster, and that's information we're getting from uh, you know from their clinicians that, that they're working with. Anyway, Mary has got a project where she's building out a plastic uh, memory game for us. It's much better than the cards that we used to use. So it's always a pleasure to have someone like that on board and helping us out. Hey, make sure that you go out and check out the websites NeptuneWarrior.org, also ScubaRob.com. And then you can also check out the Instagram pages, Neptune Warrior Org, as well as my own personal page where you see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, which is Scuba Monk Rob. So, or 
yeah, man, I don't know why I don't get my own page. But anyway, um, that's all I've got for this episode. Remember, you can solve 90% of your problems underwater as long as you've got air. You can do the same thing when you're up here on the surface. As long as you've got air, you're going to be all right.